welcome to Atlanta Living. I'm your host, Belinda Skelton. There's a lot of buzz about e-cigs, electronic cigarettes, big business, billion dollar industry, with sales of five billion were expected in the U.S. in 2014. All the big tobacco companies offering e-cig products. Global sales expected to surpass $5 billion in the next 15 years. A new study says that teenagers who use electronic cigarettes may be more likely to smoke the real thing. Here to talk about this study and the e-cigarettes in general is Dr. Sandra Freihofer. She's a general internist in Atlanta and adjunct professor of medicine at Emory. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Sandy. And what exactly is an e-cigarette? Well, electronic cigarettes are is, uh, that's the what e-cigs are and they look like real cigarettes but they're not you don't smoke them instead you vape them and this vaping is really catching on already about one in five adult cigarette smokers in the United States has tried them and it's catching on not only with adults but also with middle and high school students a new report from the American College of Physicians says the number of high school students that have tried e-cigs has um, tripled between 2011 and 2013 so this is a concern this is concerning for kids tripled tripled okay so that's in one year no that's um, from 2011 to 2013 okay I'm good at math yes okay, okay so so it's tripled in that many years that in middle school and high school exactly I mean you expect some kids to experiment with tobacco but this is an alarming number. Uh, it is, and there's actually a new study that just came out in the Journal of Pediatrics, and it looked at uh, over 2,000 uh, students uh, in high school in California, and they found that a fourth of them had tried vaping. 10% of the kids in the study were, too, were still using them. They also found that these high schoolers that were using e-cigs were also more likely to smoke regular cigarettes, and that's the real concerning trend that I'm worried about. In fact, a third of the e-cig users also smoked regular cigarettes as compared to only 1% of kids that had never vaped. And that's what, when you do e-cigs, you don't smoke them, you vape them, because they make vapor. Uh, so the big concern to me is we might be creating a new generation of smoking. Um, there's also concern that these e-cigs could glamorize smoking. You know, and we've kind of, in our society, we've sort of looked down on smoking. A lot of people, you know, you can't smoke in restaurants, you sort of, you know, have to hide right. or go out in the hall or go outside. And now with these e-cigs, there's concern it's making it more mainstream. And so this may be a gateway drug to creating a whole new generation of smokers. You know, it seems like it, the smoking ebb and flows because my generation, they were the generation of smoking is bad, um, the health concerns were really hitting home, and um, no one in my generation smoked. You were ostracized in high school, college if you smoked. But I see the younger generation really latching on to smoking and vaping. Well, the the number of kids that smoke cigarettes is going down, so we're making some headway with that. But there's concern that this could ixnay that and we're seeing more kids do these e-cigarettes and then will they go on to do regular cigarettes and and let me tell you these e-cigarette companies they are targeting kids they have all kinds of flavors there are more than seven thousand different flavors apple cherry chocolate there's even a georgia peach flavor okay so 
these e-cig companies say that they're not targeting children, but when you're when oh, you're I don't, I don't know if they say that. I mean, how can you say they're they say that? I I don't think. I think they realize they're targeting children. But when you're offering flavors such as <laughs> bubble gum and sweet things that kids are attracted to, kids are going to gravitate to that. Yeah, I don't think you and I would choose um, bubble gum. No. Anything, except no. maybe to chew. Exactly. On a, on a rare occasion. Um, but yeah, they're definitely targeting kids. And if you look at some of the ads, um, very clear that they're targeting kids. So these were supposed to be on the market to help smokers stop smoking. No, no. They are out there. There is no evidence whatsoever that the e-cigarette companies have presented to the FDA or anyone else that these will help you quit smoking. There's no evidence. The FDA has not received any studies looking at these as smoking cessation devices. So they, I mean, the, the e-cigarette companies have not applied to be a smoking cessation product, so understand that. Wow. So is the FDA regulating these? Well, that's a that's a very interesting question because when they they first came out, um, you know, they all of a sudden, you know, the the market exploded, and we're still sort of in limbo. Back in 2008, the FDA did try to regulate them as drug delivery devices, and they were sued by the e-cig manufacturers, and they the e-cig manufacturers argued that they were not being marketed as such, and so in 2010 e-cigs were declared to be tobacco products. And in 2014, the FDA released a proposed rule that would deem e-cigs and other tobacco products as subject to the Family Smoking, and Preven Smoking Prevention and Tobacco Control Act. All right, so April 2014, the FDA announced plans um, to regulate e-cigs like tobacco products. And so they issued um, some template sort of plans. This would include restricting sales to minors, those under 18, restricted advertising, no free samples, health warnings on the product packaging, establishing age verification requirements, and childproof designs on the, the liquid cartridges. So they came out with these rules as a public comment period, but they still haven't been finalized, so we're still in limbo. E-cigs are not regulated. When you vape them, remember you don't smoke them. You don't smoke them, you vape them. You don't know what you're vaping. You don't know what's in that liquid. You don't know what's in that vapor. So if you're around someone who is vaping, you don't know what you're breathing in either. So really, Dr. Sandy, what is in the vape liquid? Well, it depends on what's in that liquid, and it's sometimes called an e-liquid, and that varies, but make no mistake, this is not just water vapor. So it has, a lot of them do have nicotine, and even when they've tested them, even some that say they don't contain nicotine, sometimes do contain some nicotine, and nicotine is addicting. So there's nicotine, the flavorings we talked about, and also other chemicals, including propylene glycol. Now that's the stuff they use in theaters to make stage smoke. This can irritate the eyes and irritate the lungs. An FDA analysis of at least two brands of e-cigs revealed detectable levels of known carcinogens and toxic chemicals like diethylene glycol. That's the stuff that they use in antifreeze that you put in your car. 
as well as sm small amounts of tobacco-associated uh, nitrosamine. So this is not plain water vapor. There's some stuff in there that you might not necessarily want to get into your lungs. Well, I know that a lot of people chose to do e-cigarettes over traditional tobacco cigarettes because they could smoke them in restaurants and public places. Well, I hope that changes. And I, all the major medical organizations you know, feel that um, smoking e-cigs or vaping e-cigs should be limited in the same way that smoking regular cigarettes. Um, and again, uh, the, we're not sure how safe the vapor is. It's not just water vapor, and it depends upon what's in that e-liquid. Now, a recent study in the journal Tobacco Control did analyze the vapor from a dozen brands of e-cigs and also found some toxic, toxic substances, but it levels 9 to 450 times lower than in regular cigarette smoke. However, there was another report that indicated that levels of nickel were 100 times higher than in regular cigarettes. So heavy metals, nickel, cad cadmium, lead, chromium, and arsenic have been found in the aerosols and the cartridges of these e-cigs. So you don't know what you're getting. So right now, since the FDA is not regulating this, are the ingredients listed on the e-cig They packages? may be, but there's no guarantee that what is listed on the label is actually what's in the liquid or what will be in what you vape and other people around you may inhale as you vape. So there's no guarantee. That's the key. We need regulation. You need to know what you're getting. And there needs to be someone looking over the shoulder of these ESIC companies to make sure they're being honest. Well, let's go back to where they're made. Where are e-cigs made? Where do they come from? Well, they first started off in China. And um, that is like, uh, I think, the vast majority of the e-cigs are, are made there. Some of the major tobacco companies are pulling that back to other places. Um, you know, let's face it, you know, We've, we've had uh, some experience in the past with maybe not totally trusting uh, some of the things that come from China because there's not regulation. So, um, but right now, a lot, of, a lot of them are made in China, and that's where they originated. Right. They don't have the same regulations as we do. I mean, we've had recalls on dog food. We've had recalls on toys right. that were made in China. But, of course, we don't have regulations on this as well. And, you know, we always think about the counterfeit purses. Well, they're counterfeit e-cigs, too. So a major tobacco company can maybe, you know, have a brand and someone can make a knockoff. So there's a lot, of, a lot of questions that we don't have answered about safety, about what's in them. Um, again, one of my biggest worries is how this affects children. How, if, if it's going to get our young people smoking and starting a bad behavior that we've done a good job, you know, trying to tone down. The numbers have been going down on children smoking. smoking. The numbers of vapors are going up. Going and now up. this new study that uh, is, is very concerning. Adolescence, um, when you're an adolescent, these, these years are supposed to be the golden years for addiction. For example, more than 5% of kids age 12 to 17 will become addicted smoking only one to five cigarettes per day. Now that percentage that becomes addicted decreases with increasing age. So that's another concern for me with the adolescents because we know that if adolescents get addicted at that age, right. they're most likely um, would, would become lifetime 
vapors and possibly smokers. When we come back, we're going to tell you more about vaping with Dr. Sandra Feihofer. You're listening to Atlanta Living only on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And welcome back to Atlanta Living. I'm your host, Belinda Skelton. I'm with Dr. Sandra Freihofer, and we are talking about e-cigarettes, vaping, as you may. And Dr. Sandra, is it a good way for someone to use e-cigarettes to quit smoking? Wouldn't it be nice if we had a perfect way to quit yes. smoking? And that, that's the big question. We, we just don't know for sure. There have been some studies done. Um, E-cigs are not FDA approved as a smoking cessation prop. Uh, product and in fact there are no current applications that have been submitted to the FDA asking for approval of, of them as a smoking cessation aid. They do mimic the tactile and sensory experience of smoking um, but there's insufficient evidence to recommend them as a smoking cessation aid. In fact in people that use both there is however an actual decrease seen in smoking sensation, cessation says some studies. Now the data are a little conflicting um, that we have so far. There are two clinical trials looking at smoking cessation and e-cigs. There's one study of over 600 smokers that were trying to quit and they found it at six months about seven percent of the nicotine containing e-cig users is compared to 5.8 percent on the nicotine patch and uh, 4.1 percent using e-cig placebos had not started back on regular cigarettes. However, there was another study of 300 smokers that were not trying to quit and they found that their that use of e-cigs with or without nicotine did decrease their regular cigarette consumption. Uh, there's a lot of dual use um, that we see people using both e-cigs and regular cigarettes. Oh wow. But um, we now have this new study that we talked about earlier that suggests that high schoolers that use e-cigs are more likely to smoke regular cigarettes, a big concern. But the bottom line here is we, we know that there are about 36 million U.S. adult smokers who are unwilling or unable to quit. We know that cigarette smoking is bad for you. There's still a tremendous amount of uncertainty regarding e-cigs. We need more data. We need to know about their safety. We need to know what, we're, what patients or what people are, are vaping. We need to know what's in those, the e-liquids. They need to be regulated now. Well, there's certainly more to talk about on this topic, so I would love to have you back on sure. later to discuss this. Dr. Sandra Fryhofer, thanks for joining us in the studio. Thanks, Melinda. You've been listening to Atlanta Living only on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Depend on it. This is News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And this is Atlanta. The food, the wine, the entertainment, the lifestyle. This is Melinda Skelton's Atlanta Living, sponsored by Vane Innovations. Folks, have you been wanting to travel outside the United States, but you're a little bored with the travel destinations that you've been seeing in the newspaper and on television? How about Cuba? Well, after the diplomatic breakthrough, why not? Dave Savona, executive editor of Cigar Aficionado, has been to Cuba over a dozen times, you know, even as close as this past February. And Dave tells us it's as easy as ever if you follow just a few of his suggestions. And Dave, it's become um, a mild obsession of mine to travel to Cuba. And so uh, hopefully through your suggestions and tips and 
through Cigar Aficionados uh, Welcome to Cuba Guide, you can help us do so. I'd be happy to. Okay, first of all, how do you get there? What airline even flies to Cuba? Well, a surprising number fly to Cuba, and the last time I went, I actually flew on an American Airlines jet, which you wouldn't think would be No. Yeah, they, and I flew from the Miami International Airport on a not a regular American Airlines flight. It's not like flying to, you know, Dallas or New York or LA, but it was a charter flight operated by a company out of Miami. And uh it's a 45-minute flight and it uh, was fairly easy. Now, not anyone can just pick up the phone and, and jump on the flight. There's a couple things you have to do. If you're not a journalist, if you don't have family back in uh back in Cuba, if you don't have uh, you know, a religious reason to go or one of the other um, uh, authorized reasons, what, the easiest way to go is on a so-called uh, people-to-people visit where you operate with a, uh, a company that has a, uh, an itinerary that's a, a, a approved by the U.S. government, and you're able to go on a, a sort of a fact-finding mission to uh, see what's going on in Cuba, typically in Havana and also other places in Cuba as well. How do you find these people-to-people trips? We recommend a couple of, in, uh, of them in the magazine, in the Cigar Aficionado. Uh, one of the biggest ones, the one that's been doing it for an awful long time, is called Insight Cuba. Uh, and they're easy to find on the web. Uh, they're U.S.-based. Uh, they've been doing this for a long time, and they do a really good job of bringing people to Cuba, which is a marvelous place and something that uh, we, we hope all our readers can experience. Now, once you're in Cuba, um, I mean, are my American Express, Visa, credit cards, are those accepted? What, what type of monetary exchange do I use? Sure. Well, as of uh, December 17th, uh, President Obama said, okay, we're going to allow U.S. credit cards to work in Cuba. Uh, big landmark decision. That became a law on January 16th. So as of Jan 16, your American credit cards were legal to use in Cuba. Okay. It's a little bit more convoluted than that. The uh, American Express didn't have any merchants in Cuba at that time, as you can imagine. MasterCard was just getting yeah. set up. Yeah, so uh, they're starting to work now. Uh, but the reality is in Cuba, there just aren't that many places that are ready to accept a credit card, uh, even uh, regardless of the legality. It's largely a cash economy, Cuba, regardless of the law. Uh, so aside from the big hotels where your credit card can be accepted, any restaurant, uh, your cigar shops, certainly any uh, any shops on the streets, you're really talking about cash. And it's not American dollars anymore. It's the Cuban national currency geared for travelers called the Cuban convertible peso. Okay, and you get that where when you try in the airport? Yeah, the airports have uh, currency changing places. You can't get it in the airport in the United States because the Cuban convertible peso is uh, artificially pegged one to one to the U.S. dollar. Uh, so uh, it's it's not a freely traded currency, so you can't get them in the United States. Once you get to Cuba, uh, you can do it in the airport. Uh, you can do it at uh, certainly any hotel. Change your U.S. dollars into what they call kooks, C-U-C's. And uh, the, the, the bad part is, you lose 13% of your money when wow. you get exchange. Yeah, Cuba's oh. more expensive than you might think. So right off the top, you're losing 13% of your money. Holy cow. Okay. Now, I'm hoping, I'm picturing in my head, probably, you know, old Havana. I don't want things to change. I want, I want what I've pictured in my head where it's just frozen in time. Is that what I'm going to get when I go? 
That's that's precisely what you're going to get. Oh. Havana is frozen in time, especially the part of old Havana, which is known as Havana Vieja. And I tell you, I've been there since 1996. I've gone a number of times. Every time I go, walking through old Havana, those very narrow streets, the cobblestones beneath my feet, the beautiful stone buildings. Yes. I, I just can't help going into tourist mode myself. I go there at least once a year, but I, I, it's, it's an absolutely beautiful place. And it's like a snapshot looking back into the 19th. 1950s or even before. Now, I don't want to see a McDonald's start to show up on street corners. I mean, is is that going to start happening now that we have this that we have this diplomatic breakthrough with the United States and Cuba? You know, I don't, uh, sad to say, I think it's probably not that far in the future where you do see a McDonald's in Havana and a Starbucks on the corners. And it'll be one part sad because it'll be changing uh, what's a beautiful place, but it'll also be one part happy because the the people of Cuba right, really have been left behind. And, and, you know, regardless of your thoughts of McDonald's and Starbucks, uh, change has to come to that country for the people of Cuba. So uh, as much as I don't want Cuba to change, I don't want to see the franchises there, I think that's something that's going to happen in the future. Uh, sad for us, maybe good for the people of Havana. Now, what about amenities as far as hotels? And uh, do they have uh, what we would consider uh, three-star hotels. Uh, what are the amenities like? Uh, the amenities are getting better. Uh, Cuba is, uh, especially the, the capital city of Havana, it's it's made for tourists. It's a okay. big city and uh, recommended 11 hotels. And four of them we gave our top rating, our editor's pick. Wow. Yeah, and those editor's picks are very, very good. I think anyone would be happy staying there. Uh, ranging in quality from the, the best we find is a 96-room property called the Saratoga, which has a gorgeous bar, very good service. Uh, it's got a rooftop a terrace that over looks the Cuban Capitol building and the old Partagas Cigar Factory. It's really a stunning place. And, uh, you know, that's, I would call that a, a, a hotel that you'd be probably happy at if it was in the United States. It's almost at that top level of service. That said, there are a number of properties to avoid in Cuba, especially some of the older hotels that really haven't uh, been renovated. There, there's a couple of places that are famous names, like the uh, the Nacional, which is just a grand, beautiful place to look at from the outside, but it, it's really in need of a little help on the inside. Mm-hmm. And then places like the Habana Libre, which was the old Hilton property before its name was changed during the uh, revolution. And that really has been left far behind in time. And there, there's places to avoid in Cuba. You really want to uh, check things out first and be careful where you stay, because you could be disappointed with a, a place that's in desperate need of renovation. Okay, what about the cuisine in different parts of Cuba? I have to say the cuisine in Cuba, it's never been better. Uh, back in my first visit in 1996, the, the choices were extremely limited. Uh, think of sitting in a clinical setting under harsh fluorescent lighting. Oh uninspired service and just some simple grilled fare and maybe some rice and beans. Because they were limited to what they could just produce right there, correct? Uh, of course. Uh, and, you know, it's it's hard to complain as a tourist when, you know, the locals are getting even less right. than you. But what's happened uh, in recent years is Cuba has instituted a, a bit of private enterprise, which is unusual for a communist country. But uh, people can open up their own private restaurants. Uh, they call them paladars. And uh, it's really uh, a very good way to dine in Cuba. We recommend 26 restaurants. And I have to tell you, I ate very, very well on my last trip to Havana. Everything from uh, delicious Italian food, new place called Corte del Principe, run by a, 
uh, an Italian who looks like he's right out of central casting named Sergio, <laughs> makes incredible pasta and uh, octopus carpaccio. Wow. And then oh, it's, uh, the food's wonderful down there. They, I even found a place that made incredible um, uh, grilled ribs uh, out in uh, a, a marina, near the Marina Hemingway in a town called Kohimar. Oh. Oh, wow. Well, okay. Everybody knows that the Cuban cigar is the holy grail of cigars. Cigar tours. Can you go on cigar tours and can you bring anything home? Uh, you can go on cigar tours and now you can bring something home. The cigar scene is wonderful in Cuba. Uh, it's uh, it's covered with beautiful cigar shops, and each of them are really set up for people to, to linger, not just to, to buy a cigar, but to sit back, relax. You have a, like an icy mojito or a good glass of rum on the rocks while you're smoking your Monte Cristo or Cohiba. Uh, they're very nice places, and the prices are very good. You know, for seven, eight, nine dollars, you can get an excellent Cuban cigar in uh, in Havana. And now, thanks to these changes from uh, from uh, President Obama's speech and the changes he has enacted, you, you can bring back some Cuban goods. Before um, January, when these changes went into effect, mm-hmm. uh, you could, if you were going on a, a trip to Cuba, an authorized trip, you right. could not bring anything back, not a, not a drop of alcohol, not a single cigar, uh, nothing of Cuban origin. Now it's uh, $400 worth of Cuban goods you're allowed to bring back, and there's a $100 limit on uh, cigars or alcohol. I, when I go, I, I choose to bring back the cigars. I brought back cigars on my last trip uh, legally uh, through customs, and I kept it under the $100 limit. We have about a minute left, Dave, but what makes this the Cuban cigar just the coup de grace? Uh, Cuban cigars, it's really the birthplace of cigar production, handmade cigar production. So the the people there have been doing it for a long time, and it really comes down to the tobacco. Cuba is the largest island in the Caribbean, but the best cigar tobacco comes from far out west in the province called Pinar del Rio. And it's out there, that combination of uh, clay-like soil, the microclimate, the technique of the farmers who have passed down tips from generation to generation, it all comes together for a marvelous product. These cigars are made only with tobacco, so the beautiful Cuban tobacco comes together in a handmade cigar, and you really can't replicate it anywhere else in the world. I just picture these old ladies rolling these cigars, licking the edges. Is that how it's done? And they roll the cigars. They, they hopefully don't lick the edges. So, uh, <laughs> but it is a beautiful scene to see, to see the cigars being made by hand in an artisanal fashion that hasn't changed in, uh, in more than 100 years. Well, we urge people, if you're a cigar smoker or not, to pick up Cigar Aficionado. Welcome to Cuba because it has uh, everything you need to know and more about uh, Cuba and what's happening uh, in their newfound freedom almost. Dave Sonoma, thank you so much for joining us in the studio, and we hope to have you on after your next trip to Cuba so you can enlighten us on the changes. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. You've been listening to Atlanta Living only on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And welcome back, y'all, to Atlanta Living. It is time for Breaking Chews, our weekly check-in on all the -the up-to-the-minute breaking news about local restaurants, chefs, and festivals. I'm here with our foodie correspondent, David Danzig of the website BitesAndSites.net, and also the food writer for Atlanta Social Season Magazine, and, of course, BelindaSkelton.com. So, you have just a few tidbits to put on everybody's Yes, plate. I do. Okay, so if you listen to this show, you would swear... <laughs> 
that Belinda and I are on Ford Fry's payroll, right? We would love to be. I w- that wouldn't be a bad thing. I mean, this guy never quits. I, I, so it seems like all we ever do is talk about Ford Fry. But So this is the guy that brought us, and his team brought us JCT Kitchen, The Optimist, St. Cecilia, and then the all-new Marcel that we've recently discussed. Well... Just when you think he couldn't possibly take on another project, here he goes again. Um, Eater.com reports that Fry is now signed on to produce Bar Margo, a new concept. This is going to be in the Four Seasons in, in Midtown. And according to Ford, Atlanta needs another cool hotel bar with high service standards, big flavor food, and zero pretension. So... I think he says it's going to be a funky community lodge, uncomplicated, thoughtful food, small batch spirits. I mean, he's everything he does is so cool and unique. So we can look forward to that at the end of September. Okay. Okay. Now, tomato season is in full. Like this is the time of year when the chefs they can't make enough things. I know. I love it. South City Kitchen in Vinings is going to do a summer tomato jam. That's happening right now through next Saturday, August 22nd. That's South City Kitchen in Vinings. They're going to have a whole tomato menu, Mm -hmm. uh, including tomato pie, sliced heirloom tomato, heirloom tomato risotto. Um, They're going to work it into everything. So go to South City Kitchen's uh, Facebook page if you want to get more information on that. And then finally... If you aren't busy tomorrow night, I know this is last last minute, uh, and you're a serious foodie, and you have pretty deep pockets, and you're you're philanthropist. <laughs> um, tomorrow night is a, an amazing dinner. I'm going to. It's called the Five Chefs and Five Sommeliers. Uh, give me five dinner. And it's going to be at the Piedmont Driving Club. And th- these are going to be some of the... I mean, this is Linton Hopkins, Restaurant Eugene, uh, Zeb Stevenson from Watershed, Eric Ziska from Oak Atlanta. It's going to be unbelievable. It's $275 a ticket, yes, but it's five courses, five wine pairings, and then all the top sommeliers, including Caleb Hopkins from Atlas Mm -hmm. and more. That's tomorrow night at the Piedmont Driving Club. If you want to buy tickets, I've got all this and more information at BelindaSkelton.com. Wow. That's going to be a night. Why don't you come? I'm really thinking about it let's let's go okay okay i'm going okay save me a seat because okay. i really may come i'm going where can we find you during the week at bitesnsites.net and follow me on all social media then you'll see what i'm eating all the time <laughs> folks you're listening to atlanta living only on news 95.5 and am 750 wsb depend on it